Hello, everyone. Welcome to Deep Soul Divers. I'm your host, Carmen Turner Schott, and I hope you're listening in. I'm happy to have you today, and I'm excited to have another astrologer on the show today with me, Daniel. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and go ahead and bring you in, Daniel. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so you'll there. You are. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. For joining in, and I know I know you. I've known you a while. You're you've been in my astrology groups on Facebook, and and I had the honor of uh, checking out your new book, Old Stars, New Light. You had asked me to to do um, uh, well, well. You asked me to look at it and and give an insight, you know. And I appreciate that. And uh, it's a big thick one, guys. And so uh, we're going to talk about Daniel's book today a little bit, and I'm going to read his bio here, and then we're going to talk about astrology. And and I got some questions for uh, him and, and anyone that wants to call in, anyone wants to put in the chat on the live streams, and we'll try to get to your questions and everything. So I'll start out. I'm going to read your bio. Uh, Daniel's day job is as a software solutions architect for a financial firm in New York, this grew out of on, out of a background in applied mathematics and film directing. That's very interesting. Uh, his interest in astrology began as a young man and turned into an insatiable passion. He has been reading charts for clients and friends ever since. He likes to help people move towards appreciating themselves and their loved ones even more than they do already and to be more comfortable in their current situations. Daniel has learned from all his clients as well as many astrologers such as Alexander Kaminsky, Anthony Pico, and Stephen Forrest. Uh, he also likes to practice tarot and runes, surprise passions discovered during the creation of this book. Daniel lives in Staten Island, New York, with his wife and their beloved Staffordshire Terrier. He can be reached at danhirsch at gmail.com, which we'll give we'll give them your website and stuff at the end too before we wrap up. But um welcome, welcome to the show. And um, I'm going to get the chat up here in case we have some um, live callers because we we want to I'm going to be able to see what's going on. And I'll put this over to the side. There we go. OK, so what we're going to do is. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, when and why did you start studying astrology? Yeah, so uh, thank you, Carmen. Uh, for inviting me, of course, uh, for reviewing my book. Um, I I started studying uh, when I was a teenager, and um, in USSR it was kind of a prohibited topic, but um, a friend of mine was courageous enough to, you know, find a copy of some textbooks and type it on my hand and distribute it. So um, I started reading, and I was always an introvert, um, later on, I discovered that it may have something also to do or resonate with, uh, being, um, an eight houser, a 12th houser son, and most of my planets are in eight house, uh, strong Mars in 12th house, so on. Nice. Um, so it gave me a chance to, st study myself and to try to understand others. And, and, and that was kind of a way to connect. Also, because if you ask someone, you know, uh, do you want me to read your chart? More often than not, they are at least a bit curious, right? It's a, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a great pickup line, but it's a good uh, conversation opener, right? It's a, um, 
but more importantly, I wanted to know what this what this whole um, experience was about. What who I was, my friends were, and so on. So that's how it started. Nice. So can can you tell me what planets are in your eighth house? Can you share with the the listeners? We got a lot of eighth house people listening, probably. Sure. Uh, I actually published my my chart uh, on the book and on my, my my site mentions. I think when I was born, but um, so it's not a secret. It's uh, now depending on your your use of house system, either Lysenus, let's say, or Koch, it may differ. But Sun, Jupiter, um, and uh, uh, Uranus for sure, um, and then. With Koch, I believe it it, it uh, would include the whole stellium of Moon and Venus and uh, South Node, Pluto, <laughs> Mercury. Sengis is probably best. Yeah, I think Placidus is probably best, right? I I use I use Placidus too, and uh, I have uh, it, we have a common planet there, Jupiter. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, Moon, Moon, Jupiter, and Chiron conjunct in there. And uh, and I find that I always kind of get along with sun sign eight their sun in the eighth house people. I click with them, and and I find that they're really interested in astrology and all these things. So I'm really uh, you know happy to talk to you. We have some people. I'm watching uh, the YouTube stream here, uh, so I'm seeing if we have any questions um, as we go. But so can you tell me? Um, I know I know how you got into astrology. You know, we talked a little bit about that. Um, can you explain to us? how you started linking astrology and tarot specifically. And then we can talk about the runes too. Cause I think a lot of people, um, I know I used to love to learn about how the planetary energies were in the, you know, the cards, the tarot cards, the major arcana and the symbols, you know, I love uh, art. So the hidden symbols in the, you know, Rider weight, you know, the original tarot deck, I, I love seeing those symbols of astrology. And so how did you kind of link these in, and maybe for the listeners that don't know a lot about it, you know, some of the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, cards, uh, I have some good friends uh, that um, uh, do tarot, like uh, Jean-Francois uh, that I mentioned in on my site and in the book. Uh, a dear friend of mine who was doing tarot and introduced me to that. Um, I was always curious. It was when you hold someone's chart in your hands, right? It's a um uh how do I say uh, say it? It's a uh it's a lot of responsibility, if you will, right? Uh yeah. it's almost like a stage fright in a way, at least for me. You're trying to solve that puzzle, uh, potentially in real time. And uh, and even if you prepare your reading, if even if you wrote uh, pages and pages, you have a two-hour recording, still you meet with the client and um, she or he may ask you about certain problems, situations, and so on, and you are put on the spot and you use your intuition, you, you have to flow with the chart, right? But at least you have a chart. Um, with Taro, I was, I was fascinated that in, in a way, uh, you almost like you have nothing before you start it. You don't have uh, those pages or uh, a chart in front of you. So you you may have your client pull cards or you yourself do it for them. And uh, uh, being a skeptic that I am, uh, I would question, did I pull the right card or not? What does it mean? This way, that way. But then same thing, you, you trust 
yourself, your intuition, and you try to connect to the client and see it their way. Even if you cannot see it their way, they will see it if you if you just put it in front of them. Um, but going back to your question, uh, when I started, um, I immediately found some astrological associations. I was curious because astrology is the language that I love. But then I found older systems uh, like Tarot de Marseille, which uh, originated maybe in the uh, um, 1600s, let us say. And French system until today uses different associations. So there are many associations, and I was not always happy with Rider Wake, right? For example, um, Hilly, uh, and most people who do Tarot, they do use Rider Wake associations, but uh, those associations, it's good to put women question. Um, like they would link uh, Empress with uh, Taurus because she is a female, and mm-hmm. uh, Emperor with Aries, for example, or for whatever reason. Yeah. And I was looking at the cards and trying to feel into them and reading about them, and I, I thought, well, Empress, she's a feisty woman. She's a, she may be a flirter. She may be a, a mother who takes care of all the business while emperor deals with this huge empire and provides stability in that. Isn't that like, an, uh, it, it is almost like a reverse. But I didn't go that far, but I was questioning that. And then mm-hmm. in my conversations with Elias in my book, um, I started asking, well, what do you think? Uh, what the real associations are? And, um, and the associations that, that he gave me were quite different and i love that and and so can you share can you share with us like basic um like let's let's just do the major uh the 12 zodiac signs what cards are they associated with that you came up with or uh, in your book yeah so it's 12 uh 12 signs versus uh 22 uh major arcana cards right some people would say 21 plus full but 22 so um sometimes it's more uh more than one card represents a sign, right? But let's say um uh full I think uh matches Sagittarius well because uh, he's a um a traveler and he's willing to take a risk and leave everything he knows behind, right? Uh planet may be uh Uranus, right? Or Uranus, I never know. <laughs> okay. okay. Um the uh magician, which in older deck he is a conman, uh he uh-huh. may be um a Gemini because uh-huh. it's like trial and error. You sure right away you have a magician that is a, seems like accomplished magician, but um it's not always that we materialize everything in our heads, right? We we try to discover magic in ourselves and we are being creative about it and we uh we try and and it's almost like fake it till you make it right yeah. so it would be uh gemini for the magician um so i will go a little faster uh for 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 the uh, um, uh high priestess or papessa uh it may be taurus for uh Empress, it may be Aries for Emperor, Taurus again for uh, Pope or High Priest, as he is now known, um, uh, Sagittarius again. For lovers, um, it's, a, it's a kind of choice, 
right? Uh, some evil in Germany is purely Venus and love, which it yeah. may or Gemini, the twins, the twins. The twins, yeah. So that links very well with twins again. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, and then um, we have uh, a, a chariot, right? A, a rider sitting on the high uh, chariot. And that may link to... Um, um, I actually forgot what we link to in the book. So anyway, I, I don't want to take all that time with, with yeah, all the yeah. conversations, but... Some of them um, were very familiar, like Hangman was Isis and Neptune, uh, mm-hmm. and perhaps uh, Death was uh, Scorpio and maybe Pluto. But yeah. some of them were, were, were quite uh, surprising, and even to the point where um, Sun could be linked to either Leo, which is obvious, but also Taurus, because there is that notion, especially in the older decks, what is that notion of camaraderie and earthiness and, and that child. And then in the book, um, one surprising part also was an introduction to Earth as a planet. And um, this wonderful mystical last card, or last but one, depending on where you put the full, um, the world, right? Where you merge with the world, where is no separation, you are the world, world inside, world outside. You you just a drop that merged with the ocean, right? That um, it's tempting to say maybe it's Pisces, right? But it's, it could also be um, and germ and Neptune. But in terms of planets, uh, it could be Earth because it's both. It's not that you lose yourself and there is no awareness. It's that there is this crystal laser focused awareness and yet there is no separation so this is this kind of centeredness may be represented by earth as well as the hermit hermit was another card that had the earth and libra for the sign which is unusual because i think yeah. it, it was virgo wasn't it hermit is usually virgo. yeah usually it's a virgo and i myself thought it's a virgo because okay hermit he knows everything knows every detail and all that but I think, but from from my mentor's point of view, if you will, right? Because my book is a set of interviews or sure. conversations, basically, back and forth. So his proposal was that um, uh, it's Libra because, again, of that centeredness, of maintaining that path, of maintaining that focus, of maintaining that flow, right? Mm-hmm. So it's less important to make him a Virgo scientist or a keeper of exactness of everything or truth which is a side of him yes i i agree but for the most part he he maintains that balance he maintains whatever is important to him or her yeah so so you know for those listening you know dan dan's uh, book old stars new light it kind of answers questions about uh linking astrology terror on the runes, but also given different perspectives about the energies of the signs, I think. And, and so I know for a lot of the people listening in, they may be, they may not know astrology. They may just know their sun sign, you know? So what, what would, what are some tips or insights that you found kind of unique? Could you give us just a little, a little tip or insight about each sign, like starting with Aries, like all 12, just a something they might not have, realized or a different way of saying something you know yeah 
Yeah, that was that was very interesting for me because signs are so fundamental. And I was always interested in houses more because houses are yeah. immediately translatable, right? And I know yes. you are yeah. an expert in wealth and AIDS and I so we probably share that fascination. But there is no getting away from the fact that signs are deeper subjects that are fundamental. And um I was going to write the fantasy uh, based on astrology, and I wanted to feel them, but I didn't quite feel them because almost every textbook offered the same thing. Okay, the winter is over, the spring comes, and here is the brave uh, pioneer areas, which they are. And so Elias, uh, who is again my my uh, vis-a-vis um, person that I'm interviewing uh, and, and happens to be a mentor, and or a teacher or basically a good friend um he says um well go for the symbols because symbols are outstanding in how they reflect the nature of the sign so Aries is that uh ram and i'm not i'm not never been to the farm or the areas where i could see them but let's say a goat let's simplify one of those goats that climbs those almost vertical terrains right Look at how they live. Look at how they are built. So those goats or, or, or rams, they, they have hooves that are composed like of three parts to grab strongly. They have <clears throat> a, brain, <clears throat> a skull very tightly wrapping around the brain. <clears throat> so they w- will not have a concussion. So they don't have the brain heating inside. Um, they can jump. They can turn on a dime, wait and stop in the fraction of a second. Incredibly agile, incredibly adventurous, incredibly courageous. Mm-hmm. Very, very adaptive. Adaptive to all kinds of terrains. Can, yes. can be in the hot weather, cold weather, and get a wide, wide uh, array of weather conditions. And very curious, very curious about other species. They are not so much in a herd animal. They are not, they don't have to be together with other goats, but they are very curious. They are okay with all kinds of, of, so let's stop there for a moment, right? And say, how does that translate to people? So that, um, so areas, uh, folks have that quality in them. And it doesn't mean that they are born courageous. They develop courage. It doesn't mean that they are born adaptable. They have that gift, but they develop it. But, they can and often are those people who can deal with anyone and not afraid of most situations, who can find their footing uh, no matter what, who can go far and wide, yes, and it doesn't have to be physical exploration. It can be mental or emotional, or they can be therapists, they can be researchers, but they exhibit that fiery quality, that courage, that similar to that animal. And so, Moving forward, uh, Taurus, right? Often I read, oh, Taurus is lazy. We like to lay on the couch. He said, not Relax. at all. <laughs> he said, not at all. We are beast of burden. Look at the bull. Look yes. The bull works all day. When Taurus works all day, sure, we love comfort. We want to come back and relax. But even when we work all day, even when we relax, as we are watching their TV, they are engaged in the TV. So another part of that was the keywords. He gave the word awkward for Taurus. And it was like, awkward, that's not very motivating. Oh, awkward? Kind of yeah. shy? Like shy? Uh, awkward, 
in as in bigger than the room you are in, bigger ah. than the situation you are in. In that way. Plus, if you look at the bull, they are not nearly as agile as true. Bulls. It takes a while for the bull to get going, and it takes a while for them to stop. Which we can translate to Taurus. It takes a while for them to get going, including get mad. But and you, to act. Yeah. yeah, they like it slow. Patience. They want to wait. <laughs> if you manage to get them mad, yeah. they will take a while to stop, and they will let you know. See red, they'll, they'll attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, <clears throat> and I said, well, how does that work with the idea that, let's say, uh, Italy will link to Taurus? And beauty, beautiful people, Italians, you know, the, the, the queens and the king, uh, kings of um, fashion, beautiful music, beautiful food. Um, he said, well, talk to any beautiful person, right? And ask them, how did they felt, feel, especially in their youth, when everyone was watching them? It's not a very comfortable feeling, right? Mm-hmm. It is a little, you know, uh, uh, you have to settle, you have to find your footing with it. But um, so superficially, it's a paradox, but it's not. They are, we, we, we do represent beauty, we do represent harmony, we do represent that peace and quiet, but um, they are extremely powerful, they are larger than whatever we do, they are super engaged. Even if we play games, even if we watch TV, we will be engaged into that. We will be screaming at that TV. We will be throwing a shoe. And if you go to Italy, you may see people whistling and hugging and laughing. You can see some Italians speaking very loudly. You like it. You don't like it. doesn't matter. That's who they are. That's what Taurus is. And, and, and that's the beauty of it. Right? So then we go to Gemini and, and we talked about all this um, duality that uh, if you see a Gemini who is very confident on the outside, you almost can bet they may be barely holding it together on the inside. Or you may f- see a Gemini who is always complaining how lost they are and you get to know them better and inside they are firm as a steel, right? So there is always that duality, that artistic quality, trying to find another way to look at things and so on. Cancer, I always hear, oh, it's a great mother, it's a universal mother, which they are great, they are good listeners, they are warm, they, they, they feel. Intuitive. But, but, but they are so much more than that, in the sense that, look at the crap, they we run around uh, we run around the beach, we explore and we we carry their house on, on top of them, so they are self sufficient. We are not uh, so much a family animal, we are not her animal. We 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 are self sufficient sometimes to the point where we need help, right? You sometimes may need to help a crop to get that one on her yeah. feet. But yeah. in spite of that, we we are explorers and in water we move much better. We have that heavy machinery and if you if you know someone of that sign they use the whatever machinery we have created in their house or in their work or so on and sometimes we do need to somebody telling them how it looks from the outside because we can't we we are so self-absorbed with what we have created the lion the lion the word was another trigger for me consumption consuming 
And he said, well, you're looking for positive words, but those words are neither positive nor negative, because lion is an uh, apex predator. And thanks to them, the whole ecosystem exists. And they are so much in your family, and they, they consume, yeah, okay, they consume attention, they consume knowledge, they consume humor, they consume travel, they consume relationship, they consume anything. But in order to consume, they nurture, right? And they become nurturers. So I don't know how much time you want to spend. No, no, but, no just with those, you know, I think I always say that Leo's are very generous and very affectionate people, the ones I've known, you know, so what you're saying, I, I think I like, you know, associating it with the actual symbol. I, I like that, you know, like with the crab, you know, you're right. I, you know, they, they can go in that shell. I always say that you have to chisel that the cancer shell to, to get that soft interior in there, they can seem they can they can put boundaries up to protect mm-hmm. themselves, you know, out of all the water signs, and they could appear cold or not not a, not nurturing, not not motherly, because if they've been hurt, you know, that's their protection, right? And and uh, but once you you chisel that that get their trust and chisel down that that little shell, <laughs> you know, so to speak, and then uh, I like you know with Aries, you know, the ram. Um, I always I always have seen in my work where I've been writing about Aries is that they're the most resilient, I think, sign, in my opinion. And and I think it's like you said, they have to learn, you know, they have to learn that courage that that courage didn't just come. I mean, they are naturally pretty confident. You know, they like to act on their gut instinct. Uh, but, you know, they also rush into too quickly sometimes and and need to be a little more patient because then but they just when they feel something they want to act mm-hmm. it's, and then the, and then you know when you go into Taurus um the second sign I can see it's completely opposite because they want to wait and mm-hmm. they want to think and they want to plan slowly and like a baby step like I say baby steps uh you know like that movie what about Bob it's like baby steps is change for Taurus you know where Aries is like rushing in with the sword, you know, changing it. But uh, no, I, I I like I like it. So in your book, you do you, does some of these things with the symbols um, are in your are in your book um, that people yeah, can we went over an entire. Uh, sorry for interrupting. We, we went over an, 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 an entire and sometimes very briefly. But um, it was so many discoveries for me. Like for example, Scorpio. I, uh, my wife is a Scorpio. I'm surrounded mm-hmm. by Scorpios. I'm a friends of mine, but it was still the, the, the lecture, <laughs> almost yeah. a nas- national geographic special of the Scorpio of how, like, there are hundreds or so varieties of them and only few are, are really deadly. Most are feared, but for nothing, they cannot do anything to you. All they <laughs> do is immobilize their prey long enough that they can run away, but no more than that, and yet we can take take uh, so so number one, this fear factor, this mystery factor that they are so misunderstood to the point that one astrologer that shall not be named, you know, was uh, <laughs> saying that Scorpio should never be a president. And I told you, if you look at U.S. presidents, um, yeah. uh, the number one place is Scorpio, actually, for better or for worse. But, sure. Uh, they um they they can scare you with the outbursts, but yeah. inside there is that warm underbelly that they have. And the thing is they are so far sighted 
may may predict what will happen, but sometimes they are overpowered if we are talking about scorpions. Scorpions are overpowered by ants. And it's not that we don't see ants. We see ants. Little ants. Little, little ants. ants, yeah. And we see them very, very well. You cannot miss them. They move in in, in, in troops. And a troop of ants can overcome a scorpion because oh. they don't they don't protect their underbelly, whereas, you know, they don't see the danger. So they are farsighted, don't see what's in front of their faces. And that's how it translates. In addition, I ask, well, how does that translate in, like, uh, a relationship? And also, well, easy, because they often stay in the relationship, even though it is hurtful because uh, of the loyalty they have and also because of that of that softness and of that uh, not seeing what that relationship does to them because, like, sure. Once they commit, uh, it's too close for them to try to dissociate and see. So there are so many interesting parallels that can be between the symbol and the... the So with with Scorpio, uh, you know, I know they're also associated with the phoenix and the eagle, Mm -hmm. um, the ancient symbol. um, And maybe that is like, you know, the higher octave, you know, the high when they evolve, you know, they're you know they're able but the hawk or the hawk, the eagle fits because the eagle can is up in the sky and can see far like you said they can see everything out but they may not see what is close you no. know what i mean and uh so that's that's interesting just thinking through and then um the phoenix you know and we can talk a little about the eighth house and then like to hear about pisces as well with the symbols um you know the eighth house we're both eighth housers and we got a lot of people that are listening in. So what what's your like what have you learned about the eighth house? You know, being an eighth house person, you're I would call you an eighth house phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wrote my newest book, Phoenixes and Angels, all about the eighth and twelfth house. So would love to hear from a real eighth houser um <laughs> how you how these energies affected you as a child and growing up and, and any spiritual experiences that you would like to share with us, because we have a lot of people listening from the groups and mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I am on board with all the um, with all the patterns that we see for the eight house um, that include the uh, um, being exposed to death, being exposed to maybe even abuse or some very difficult uh, childhood and this and that, uh, including the patterns that you identified in in your books. <clears throat> My case may not be a textbook case because perhaps because my son is so close to Venus. Uh, perhaps because of other factors like Grand Train and all that. Yeah. So um, a bit of luck was, was uh, put in yeah. my chart. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a loving family and always supportive. But um, there was trauma. Um, trauma took slightly different paths for me. I was born uh, with uh, facial deformities, like birth defects. Okay. Any kind of uh, descriptions that used to drive my mom mad uh, with uh, hair leap, uh, hair, yeah, uh, hair leap and wolf's, uh, wolf's mouth or all okay. those crazy stuff. Um, my nose was crooked, my lips were not right, uh, my speech was off because the air traveled the wrong way. Um, 
So I had to have many surgeries, beginning from the first one was, I, I believe, one day after I was born. And then, so I was born in 69 and then uh, 76, 80, 84. Each surgery I had to, which I had to travel to another city from Vilnius to St. Petersburg, used to be Leningrad. And um, my parents would have to make appointment many months in advance. Uh, sometimes I would get sick. The whole thing would be canceled. It was a big, um, big uh, weight on them. Uh, but they stood by me, which I am very, very grateful for. Um, for me, though, it was a sense that I was broken in a way, right? Yeah. Uh, because you don't look like everyone else. You don't speak like everyone else. And when you do speak, people don't really understand you. Because the, you speak through your nose and this and that. Okay. So on top of that, I was stuttering. Where for a few years, I was actually stuttering. So, okay. so oh, I, I, had to, yes. I had to be strategic in one, you know, don't speak if you don't have to. And two, if you do speak, um, especially for stuttering part, uh, if you cannot say it uh, this way, have plan B, have plan C. If we don't understand you, explain it differently and differently again, and, and maybe on your fingers, you know. Um, hospitals. Hospitals was separation. I was very, very close with my parents. So staying for a week in the hospital when we don't allow your parents to visit you, um, it's it's terrible because as a child you feel like um, who knows what what is happening. Then somebody told me, you know, you're very lucky. I said, why? They said the people like you sometimes parents just live in the hospital, don't want to take home. So oh. you wow, <laughs> you're like <laughs> Jupiter your, in the eighth. Jupiter in the eighth. Right, that's right. Us, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> count your count your blessings. So when I was alone and sad in the hospital, let's say I had some what I think was visions. Like sometimes I saw some silhouettes of people who visited me. Yeah. Quote unquote people who we can call them guardians. Angels, guardians. Some essences, some souls, right? To encourage me. I seem to remember vaguely some crazy clown that I used to see with all kinds of colors and they made me laugh. Oh, that's so, so nice. Yeah. And and I forgot for a while, then I was reminded of that somehow and, and, and I, I recalled some of those experiences. So it's it's there. It's there. The the isolation of the twelves, the the trauma of, of this. Um Mars in 12th uh, is the focal point of the T-square between, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it squares my Sun and Jupiter, but in addition my uh, uh, Uranus as well as uh, Chiron. So Chiron in, in second <clears throat> in Aries, Uranus in, let's say, eighth in Libra. Um, Uranus is weird. Chiron is misformed, perhaps. Chiron is a wound which was created a wound. Yeah. And um and the Mars is surgery and the twelfth house is isolation of the hospital. Yes. Aries is head. So it's yes. mis misconfiguration of the head, surgeries of head the head. Face, yeah, everything. So uh speech expression, expression of the first second house, you know, um Second house is feeding the first house. It gives you what to say, right? You say, yeah. 
and and you need your head, you need your courage to say yeah. it, and 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 so that was the the thing. In my book, we kind of discovered that I said <clears throat> I don't want to define Chiron as a wound. It is, but it almost sounds like we are defining the shadow to be the primary quality. So Elias suggested resilience. And that's how I started thinking of Chiron as a resilience. So those things did allow me to build the resilience, problem solving. Yes. Try to express myself in different ways. It was a good Interesting. <laughs> it made me who I am, you know. Chiron, Chiron and Aries. Um I have Chiron and Aries. Mine's in the eighth. And and I think, you know, with all of the Athos people and what you're sharing. You know, all of their stories are unique and they 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 have very much blessings and, and good things and, and some of them very supportive families. And and I kind of have that, too. I, to me, Chiron is like where where we have to heal other people because we understand because we've been in their shoes. You know, that's kind of. And so, like, you know, when I was young, you know, my first experience with death, you know, I never lost a parent like a lot of eighth house people have lost parents at a young age. I did lose a friend. Um, it was an accidental shooting. I was 16, and that really changed my life because I was the first person I ever knew that passed away. Uh, but since then, I've had multiple people that have died from from fluke gun violence, which, you know, is all I have that Aries stellium in the eighth house. I'm like, this is Aries, you know, and, and the Chiron and Aries. And, um, but I'm able to talk about it now and these things. Um, and, and I'm always healing, you know, and I think with Chiron and, and Aries, I really feel like it makes us very resilient and we're like warriors. It's like, even if we, 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 we have all these things, we, we keep going. Like Aries is like, I'm not going to give up. They like to win and they're competitive. <laughs> and, you know, so I always played sports. Uh, that was my thing, basketball. And, uh, uh there's just, uh, there's a fire in Aries placements, I think that helps them survive. I call them survivors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and eighth house people, people have, you know, especially sun, moon, you know, more than three planets there. I call them survivors. You know, they they really are because they've been through all these things that most people have never been through. And so you can understand a lot of trauma and people's uh, emotions and feelings. And so, like, what's a what's a tip or something you would like to share with eighth house people that are listening about? How, what helped you or what what you recommend they do to overcome some of these hard things that they maybe had as a child or some of these losses they've had? What what would your tip be for them to do that would help them? Mm -hmm. uh, well, what kept me going is, um, is probably many things. Uh, my parents created a safety, my guardian angels, you know, uh, but everyone has whether we know it or not, everyone has some essences of souls or angels uh, watching over us, right? We may believe it or not believe it, but you are never alone. You are, we are always connected. So that's one thing, especially for 12th house has that isolation piece to it, but we are always connected. Another thing I would say is um, not so dramatically speaking, not so poetically speaking, but getting slightly different um, look at those things. I like to think of AIDS house as uh, responses mm -hmm. or if we don't do it consciously, reactions, right? So 
that gives me a keyword from which I can create this mind map, which says, okay, what is the responses? The responses is, uh, um, first of all, the responses to what? My responses to other people, like, oh my God, she looked at me this way, or he may be thinking that way. So is it really? Do they really think about you? Because most people don't really think about you as much as you think they, they do, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, why am I responding? You know, how am I responding? Now, it's very important to learn about feelings and not being around by feelings. So whatever is your thing, you walk, you scream, you cry, you, you punch a bat. But release those feelings. They are signals, very important signals, but they are not to be carried with us. Like if you're driving your car, you stop at the blinking yellow light. That's a signal that says, uh, caution, be present, be aware. You're crossing the dangerous crossing, right? But you wouldn't stand there and say, oh, yellow, look at this. Unless you smoke some pot or whatever, you wouldn't stand there for hours watching that yellow. You would let it go. You will say, thank you, yellow. Got it. Heads up. You would look left. You would look right. You would press gas and you would go. So eight house people, I think, have a tendency to uh, mull over things, to have it going over and over. And it's easy for me to say, Mm -hmm. yeah, because, well, I do that, first of all, also. But it's easy to say because I I didn't have as traumatic experience as some other people had. Trauma is is a very big field where deep trauma we don't know. We don't even some people don't even remember. Right? Exactly. Like it took me fifty some years to realize that I still carry that being broken with me. And now that I have to promote my book, it's not the time to sit in the corner and be broken and 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 pray that no one talks to me or pray that someone does talk to me who is so friendly that I wouldn't be embarrassed. Right. Yeah. So me being broken, okay, set it aside, address to it, maybe go to therapist, work through it. Observe yourself. Eight houses are amazing at observing themselves. It's not all that, right? Eight houses are amazing in many ways. A, you can predict what other people will do. Why? Because you know what makes them tick. You are interested. You see how people respond to people. You can become a great manipulator. Or you can become a great therapist, or you simply can become a person who knows, you know, what what motivates people and you. So people responding to people, you responding to people, observe how you respond to and see, is that response most beneficial for me or not? Is it really worth it to get into it with someone on Facebook, blue against red, or, you know, this against that? Is it worth it? Or is it better for me to write something or promote my book or be with my family? What is What really matters, right? Yeah. That's another um, advice. Now, responses of, of things, responses of numbers, it's not limited to people or animals. It may be, it, it opened my eyes to why AIDS makes investors or very analytical people. Because as an investor, you see how, what response to what. You see domino effects. You see cause and effect. You mm-hmm. you you can become that person behind the scene that that manipulates that to your client's advantage or to your advantage or whatever. Sure, sure. A good business mind, you know, the eighth house. I think 
is associated with with other people's money and resources. But I think there's a business ability that I think I never thought I had, you know, mm-hmm. but as I'm getting older, I'm like, I, I've got that eighth house stellium, which is helping me with, you know, having my part-time business, you know, and things. And I see that, you know, and good at numbers and, you know, and I see a lot of police people that are in crisis intervention, FBI agents, people that are detectives, law enforcement that have eighth house planets. So detectives analyzing, getting to the truth, digging deep, you know, the hidden Pluto dark waters, right. Of the Pluto ruler of the eighth. So it's really, it's really cool. And, and I got, someone has a question in the chat. I was going to see what you thought about. Um, Juanita says she has Chiron and Pisces in the sixth house. How would you, how would you analyze that? What are some tips on that that you've seen? Yeah, well, it would be interesting to see the whole chart, right? But just that, uh, Chiron. In, let's say Chiron is um, is resilience, and let's say Pisces is that oceanic uh, feeling, right? That everyone is a family. Pisces is family, so um, you need to be resilient in your belief and trust that you are connected you are we are we are all interconnected uh whatever you do if you make coffee in the morning if you can make it uh, being uh, absent-minded you can make it being upset at somebody or you can make it being um uh, grateful and appreciative of what you have and your your kitchen your house your family your friends Chiron makes it a point that you will lose sometimes. You will not be able to. You will, as a as a as a little fish, you will swim to someone, and they turn to be a shark, and they want to eat you, or they will turn to be a swordfish. They want to skewer you, but you keep trying, and that's resilience. The wound part of it <clears throat> is that <clears throat> you accumulate your failures, and you attempted to be in a defeatist to develop defeatist attitude. I don't want to try. I tried. I was so open. I went to this community. I went to this best friend. They betrayed me. They did this. They did that. I don't want that openness anymore. I don't want that trust. I will calculate. I will analyze. And I will limit the exposure. But don't do that necessarily. Unless you, there are other reasons to do that. But just out of your uh, past failures or perceived failures, don't deny yourself that warm feeling of family. Be family, whether they initially respond to that or not. And the sixth house adds that communion piece <clears throat> that you you are very sensitive. Pisces is very sensitive. And you are very sensitive to how you commune with nature, how you exercise, how you um, build your daily routine, how you work with somebody, how you deal with your co-workers, how you deal with your pets, how you take care of someone. And in all of those areas, don't do one of those Pisces shadows, right? Don't lose yourself to the point where there are no boundaries and you become somebody's floor mat. But also don't go the other way where you say, I will protect myself, I will block myself from asking for help, from connecting with others, from learning new things. Don't do that either. You know, be that sensitive person that you are, 
and do those interesting things that you want to learn and do and share with others, uh, even though you had some failures in the past. So I would try to go some of those directions. Really good. And I want to share what Dana said. Dana said, there is so much Scorpio eighth house fear, which is true. I really appreciated the link to scorpions mostly being not poisonous, but people assuming they are. Thank you. So that was your feedback. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, I always I always attract Scorpios and and I've seen their sensitive, vulnerable side. You know, they tend to trust me and just kind of I think because I'm a North Node Scorpio, maybe in all that eighth house. I don't know. But uh, they, I, I've always just know, like if someone really starts sharing something with me, I'll feel their energy if they're Scorpio. It takes a little while for them to trust me. You know, they got to get to know me. That's the thing with Scorpio. They need to observe, like you said, and and see. And but once I've got their trust, I have really good friends that are Scorpios. And uh, so we're we got we're about five minutes. We're at the top of the hour. Uh, they haven't given me the five minute rule yet, but we got about uh, some time left. And and I want to let's talk about let's talk a little bit about the eighth and twelfth houses. You know, is there anything um, you know? I know that you said you know anything you found in your book through your interviews that that relates to um, my, the patterns I talk about in my book, Phoenixes and Angels. Did, did you, is there anything unique or different um, that you saw or anything you can validate that was similar for about the eighth house and 12th house specifically some patterns there? Yeah, I would, I would say that um, our approaches are somewhat different because I'm trying to, I was trying to get to those keywords. I was trying to get to those, um, what I see as down-to-earth things that, um, because what I see sometimes, and, and this is not what you do, what you do is wonderful because you create your spaces, uh, safe spaces for people. You explain how it can be, um, how it can be a trauma, how it can, and how you can uh, heal yourself and how you can appreciate yourself. This is tremendous, uh, tremendous work you do. But I see on some forums where, Let's say uh, someone says, oh, I have a newborn um, daughter or granddaughter, let's say. And she has this huge eighth house or twelfth house. And oh, my God, oh, my God, what am I to do? They're I, worried. I, They're worried. They're worried. Uh, she seems healthy, but is she really uh, her, you know, my, uh, her mom and dad, they seem to be like wonderful people, but are they really, uh, will they turn around and abuse her? And I, I am, sometimes I get involved and I say, please, it, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't have to happen that way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Ace House, a house of responses. We talked about that. And I, I love it that you brought first responses, responders, because that's a literal response. They are called first responders. They are people who respond. They know how to respond. And unlike an average person like myself who may get freaked out and frozen, they know how to maintain what is important. And they they maintain, this is the Pluto, the core of Pluto, to maintain in the face of fear, in the face of danger. They maintain, they direct, they direct traffic, they direct people. And they take care of other people's lives. So that's a wonderful part of the eighth house. Doesn't have to be abused. Um, I have a friend who, he, who works with me in a, in a band and he, he has all kinds of qualities that the eighth house, but 
on the surface, he's just a banker, he's an investor, and uh, and that's wonderful. He found his place where he can apply that, and he 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 doesn't have any abuse situation, any anything like that. Twelve south mechanics. You want to go inward. You want we want to go under the hood. In six house we drive the car. In twelves we go under the hood. In six like we play the game. In twelves we analyze. We 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 see how what how what it makes us do. What it makes us feel. How to re- rearrange the structure of our team or our play. So twelves and and six are always together, just like seven and eight. That's another thing. If you have an eight house problem, sometimes solution isn't certain. Project yourself. Be yourself. Don't worry about so much about what everyone else will do, could do, or is thinking, uh, maybe thinking. What is it that you want to do? What is it that you think? Project yourself through certain house. Keep your eight in check. Similarly, twelves, um, mechanics, isolation, recognize that you are a person that may need some time alone. Recognize that you are a person that may process things much deeper and differently. But don't isolate yourself to the point where you don't have any connections or input. That's analyzing sake. That's just you stuck your head uh, in the the car engine and you left, left it there. Don't do that. Close the hood and drive. Well, this is awesome. I, I hate to cut you off. We we got like <laughs> 60 seconds left. So so I like it. Sixth house is the car driving it. Twelfth house is getting under the hood to the deeper, the deeper meaning of life and why we're here and analyzing that and what's my soul's purpose and connecting with the higher power. I love it. So Dan, tell us how people can find you real quick. Uh, Old Stars, New Light is Dan's book. Uh, go out and, and and grab it. Also, you know, Phoenixes and Angels, Master in the Eighth and Twelfth Houses is my new book. Would love you to go out and get a copy as well. Dan, where can they? Where's your website? Where the, can they find you? Real quick, as we wrap. Uh, Daniel DanielGirshevich dot com. Maybe we can share that link, or uh, maybe you can see my name, Daniel, and the last name Girshevich. That's DanielGirshevich dot com. Or you can go on Amazon and just search for uh, Old Stars, comma, New Light. And um, it has a subtitle, uh, Astrology, Tarot, and Runes. And hopefully you will find it between my name and and, and the name of the book. Thank you so much, Karen, for inviting me. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And Thank you. Hopefully stay in touch. Yes, we will. I appreciate you coming on and talking your astrological knowledge. And everybody, thanks for listening. And please uh, grab Dan's book, Old Stars, New Light, and grab Phoenixes and Angels. And uh, thank you for support. Uh, 12th House Astrology Group, 8th House Astrology Group on Facebook. Feel free to join. You can post your chart, ask us questions. Dan's in my groups and uh, a lot of astrologers. So we'll be happy to help you. But enjoy this full moon lunar eclipse tonight. And uh, October 28th. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Audio Jungle. Audio Jungle.